You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Kosobe here. Excited to be joined by Evan Barry, a 2019 NLC Boston Fellow. We've got episodes coming up talking about the election. Of course, we're talking about the election. It's right around the corner. We'll connect with NLC alums from all over the country, working on protecting the vote, working on getting people to go vote in general, all those things that are going to be so key for what happens a week from Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. All right, Evan, what's your plan for election day and election night itself? How are you going to experience that very fateful afternoon and evening? Yeah, I mean, in 2020, it's hard to plan for the future. But my plan (laughs) right now is um, I'm going to take a day off work and I'm going to work on um, nationwide voter protection efforts. So basically, whenever you have an issue at the polls, whenever lines are too long, there's voter intimidation, people are having difficulty casting a ballot. There is a hotline that any voter can call. Um, The National Democratic Party has support available in, I believe, 12 languages. Um, Mm. So I'm going to be helping with Spanish language support, but it's just making sure that people can get to the polls and um, cast their ballot on election day. So voting has started pretty much everywhere now. Mm. Based on what you've seen, are you optimistic, worried, scared? What kind of things have caught your your attention and caught your eye? So both. Optimistic because... These are unprecedented times and seeing the way that states have responded with um, the accessibility of early voting locations with people being able to cast their ballots by mail. These are things that we only saw in a few states prior to the pandemic, but now states have um, done a really good job of expanding voting options for people um, within their jurisdictions. On the other hand, though, we are seeing voter suppression at an all-time high, whether it is ballot box availability in your county, whether it is the availability of of ballot boxes within a single city, um, as well as I think a lot of us are concerned over the speed of the the postal service as well. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult to have faith in the system and getting your ballot sent out um, when you're not sure if it's going to arrive on time. So I know in Massachusetts, if it's postmarked by election day um, and it arrives at the um, election center by November 6th, your ballot will be counted, but that's not the case in every state. So I'm encouraging folks, if you're going to plan on voting by mail, either give yourself plenty of time in advance, or if you're able to go to a local drop box to drop off your ballot, that's the most secure way that you can ensure that your ballot gets counted. And then for those, it's kind of hard for us to imagine there might still be undecided people or, or folks who are, who are not uh, yet with a plan to vote. You know, What kind of messages have you found most compelling so far to get people to go ahead and fill something out and put it in the mail or to go ahead and make a plan for voting on the actual day itself? Absolutely. So I think one of the things is when we have these expanded voting options, unless you're at a polling location where you might need to wait seven hours to cast a ballot, which unfortunately we've already been seeing that with early voting locations. But if you can vote by mail, this is one of the most accessible and easy ways to cast a ballot. We've seen it successful in other states prior to the pandemic, um, but I know I voted from my kitchen table and I dropped it off um, in our Dropbox here in Cambridge where I live. So um, I think number one, voting by mail is incredibly easy if you're able to take the steps to make sure that your ballot um, gets to a drop box and gets counted easily. But for folks that are still undecided, your vote is your voice. This is the one opportunity that you get to have a say in the policies that affect your day-to-day lives or um, the lives of the people around you in your community. And um, this isn't an election to sit on the sidelines. This is one of the most momentous elections we have in our nation's history. Um, And you have a lot of power in casting your ballot. 
And one thing I want to ask you, you know, you used a phrase in the, in the email when you reached out to me about wanting to come on called ballot curing. And mm. I, I can't remember if I'd seen that or not. So I'd love to, for you to give me a little bit of a primer on what exactly that means. Of course. So on election day, I'm going to be helping out with voter protection. But before then, um, I have a friend. I used to work on the Elizabeth Warren campaign back in 2018 when she was running for Senate. <laughs> um, and uh, one of my friends is now doing get out the vote operations in Arizona. And Arizona is one of those states where uh, it could come down <laughs> to that state as a battleground. Um, and the Democratic Party there is doing every every single thing in their power to make sure that ballots are filled out correctly, submitted, um, and corrected in the event that a ballot hasn't been um, submitted properly. A lot of issues that you see with ballots, let's say that um, you have a ballot that's been sent to you, but you have a um, new address and your, your um, mail is getting forwarded to you at another address, by law, you are unable to receive that ballot. Or let's say you fill out your ballot, you forget to include your signature on it, that ballot can't be counted by law. So what the Democratic Party is doing in Arizona is reaching out to those voters and saying, hey, we collected this data from your town or city clerk or your county election official. Um, your ballot is not going to be counted. Um, how can we make sure that we get your, your voice heard? So that can be um, early voting. It can be going back to the polls. Sometimes it's even just a call um, to the county elections official to tell them, no, this is indeed my identity. Um, sometimes an issue like your signature changing over time and not matching up with the signature they have on file. All of those are impediments to getting your ballot actually counted. And ballot curing is the process of making sure that um, your voice is heard. Well said. Well, when we come back on the Zag, we'll talk with Evan a little bit more about what he's looking Forward to seeing happen in the last week or so of the election. Thanks so much for tuning in. This episode of the Zag. We'll be right back. Evan, yeah, I know here in California, besides the uh, you know races you would expect to have people's attention, president and some of the the state house races and things like that, we have a lot of propositions on our ballot too. Is that also the case for Massachusetts? What other things are you keeping an eye on? Mm, I'm keeping an eye on a, a few things. So I work in state government. Um, I work for a state senator. And I think there are going to be a lot of interesting races in terms of even Massachusetts, which is a very blue state, <laughs> seeing some of the local races and seeing, um, you know, if Democrats are able to, to keep on some critical seats within the Senate. Mm -hmm. So definitely going to be looking at some state, um, state rep and state Senate races. I am also very interested by um, two ballot measures in Massachusetts. One of them is enabling small repair shops to uh, successfully make repairs on cars. It's called the right to repair. It's question one. Mm -hmm. And then question two is ranked choice voting. There's a chance that um, oh, after wow. this election, we'll be able to do ranked choice voting in Massachusetts. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed that um, it's successful here. And for those that pass, is it 50 plus one or is it a much higher yep. threshold? Yep, 50 plus one here in Massachusetts. Okay. Wait, what's the background on the right to repair? I haven't really heard, heard much about that. So basically, it's it's another one of those campaigns where uh, the, the big auto industry is trying to have a monopoly on the way that cars are repaired. But essentially, when you have a car, there's this sort of and I am a total Luddite, technology is not my, <laughs> not my strong suit, but there's a whole bunch of like internal um, mechanical components that require fine um, precision like data access. Mm. And so a small independent repair person needs permission to access 
um, that that data to do a full repair on a car when cars have become more mechanized and dependent on like software within the car. And they can't do that repair unless they have access. The right to repair is ensuring that um, by law, um, they have access to it, whereas now it might only be the dealer or hmm. some other, I'm also not a car person, this doesn't help public transit for life. Uh, <laughs> but make it, but uh, making sure that data can be shared with a smaller repair person instead of a... Um, big car magnate or dealer or something like Very that. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for that. Hey, listen, last thing, you know, this month has been uh, an opportunity for chapters to select their new fellows for the 2021 uh, program. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. We'll get those announcements uh, hopefully out before the end of the calendar year. Thinking back to your NLC experience, what do you remember most fondly about it? And what would kind of advice would you give to folks who will start in January with us? So it's funny you asked that question because I just stepped out of the the Zoom call for Boston's to pick our um our oh, you're in it. Nice. 2021 okay. class. Yeah. Um NLC was one of the experiences that made me feel most connected to the progressive community in Boston. And I think a lot of people look to Massachusetts as this progressive beacon of hope because some of the social issues our state is led on, but we're very we're we're chock full of moderate Dems um, who don't believe in economic justice, don't believe in some of these deeper systemic changes. And I think we see um, we see a lot of the the nationwide issues um, are happening right right in our backyard here in Boston. And people in Boston don't or white Boston doesn't recognize that, I think. Mm-hmm. I think being a part of an NLC cohort gave me the voice within the progressive movement locally. It made me feel more rooted to Boston as a city that that I've, I grew up in the area, but um, I now feel like I have more ownership in um, my role in the progressive movement here and being connected with the people who are doing the fabulous frontline work um, to chip away at some of these structural inequalities that have plagued our city and the surrounding region for centuries, honestly. Yeah, well said. Well, listen, good luck picking those fellows. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Zag. Make sure you have your voting plan in place before next Tuesday, a week from Tuesday. And thanks so much for keeping an eye on our feed. We'll have some more episodes coming up soon featuring NLC alums working on different aspects of protecting the vote and getting people out to vote. Stay tuned for those. All the spots you get to your podcast, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, they're all there. And until next time, we'll catch you soon.